Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are in the conclusion of what has been a great series called New Fire. Well, we're going to talk today out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. We're going to see how Paul instructed Timothy to fan the flame in his life. And, you know, it's amazing how he tells Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and and self-control. We're going to talk about that today. How do you reject fear in your life, and how do you walk in this power, this love, and this self-control that God has given us? I hope you enjoy today's edition of Awaken to Grace. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter one, uh, as we b- before we look at the text, I, I think it's worth noting. I, I view Second uh, Timothy a little differently than the rest of Scripture. Um, not that it's greater or that it's less, but I'll explain why I see it differently. Second um, Timothy is chalked full of incredible principles, incredible life-changing content for it is the word of God, right? And God's word, Hebrews chapter 4, is sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word is powerful, it's alive, it is active, and it brings life change into our hearts. Well, the reason why Second Timothy means so much to me is because this was the last letter penned by the great apostle Paul. These are his last thoughts to the church of Jesus Christ. Paul is in a Roman prison at this point of writing the letter. He is condemned to death under the emperor Nero, and he is about to be beheaded. And so as much as I love this congregation, I cannot imagine if the Lord said, Chad, you only have days, you only have weeks to live. I want you to pen a letter to your church. I cannot imagine what would come out of my heart to say to you. And here Paul writes his final instructions, his final warnings, his final uh, uh, commendations, and his final love for the church. And this is the last letter of his hand through the Spirit of God. That's meaningful to me. And so when we read... Second Timothy, read it through that perspective, through that lens. And so when we read what is written to this young man, Timothy, Timothy is the young protege to Paul. Timothy is this young pastor coming up under Paul. Paul is his spiritual father. He's a spiritual mentor. And so he's going to have some things to say to him. I don't like where a lot of pastors and churches label Timothy. I don't like it. They call him timid Timothy. And while it's true that Paul must have sensed some fear in Timothy and this is why he's writing this letter and, 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 and in, in 1 Timothy, the first epistle, he tells him, don't neglect the gift of God that's in you. In this letter, he's going to say, stir it up, fan the flame, fan the flame of the gift of God that's inside you. And it's true, Paul must have sensed some timidity in Timothy because in verse 7, he's going to say, God has not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power, love, and sound mind or discipline or self-control. And so 
I, I have a problem with just labeling Timothy timid. And let me tell you why. Because understand the world that Timothy is trying to pastor in. You and I today, because of our Bill of Rights, because of our glorious Constitution, because of the protection that that even the government must give to Christians, we cannot even fathom the Roman world in which Timothy lived. Nero, who was the emperor at this time, who is getting ready to literally behead the great apostle Paul, was insane. History tells us that when the great fire broke out in Rome, that as a scapegoat, he blamed the Christians. And Roman persecution was fierce. If you're a student at all of world history, you know that things didn't change until the emperor Constantine. But prior to that was wave upon wave upon wave of persecution. Nero would take Christians, hoist them on large poles throughout his garden and set them on fire just to light his garden. And this is the world in which Timothy is being a pastor. The Roman Colosseum, as history tells us, was soaked with the blood of Christians. They would take wild beasts and not feed them for days and tell Christians, pledge allegiance to Caesar or face the wild beast. And believer after believer after believer became martyrs and gave their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Polycarp, who was a direct disciple of the apostle John, who wrote the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. Polycarp was bishop of Smyrna. When the Roman government arrested him, he was 86 years old. They said, deny Jesus Christ, pledge allegiance to Caesar, and you will live. The old man said, 86 years have I lived for Christ and not once has Christ forsaken me or let me down. How can I deny him now? They said, we'll burn you at the stake, old man. And you know what the old man said? He looked at the Roman leaders and he said, you threaten me with a fire that is momentary and yet you face a fire that is eternal. This is our heritage, church. You and I are cut from the same cloth. The world in which Timothy lived was brutal. So I don't call him timid Timothy. Notice in verse number six, Paul says, for this reason, I remind you, fan the flame of the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind or self-control. I love those words. Very quickly, why did Paul have to remind Timothy of this? Well, because fear sets in, doesn't it? Have you ever faced battles of fear? Have you ever had seasons of fear in your life? Have you ever had moments where fear fell on you, fear crept into your life, fear took a grip of you, took hold of you. Paul said, for this reason, I'm going to remind you, Timothy, 
fan the flame. How do you, listen, you know this. If you build a fire and you you don't stoke it, this is literally what it means. Stoke the fire. Kindle the fire. Fan the flame. If you don't do that, what happens to a fire? It goes out, doesn't it? And some of you are listening today and listen, Jesus Christ, he changed your life. He redeemed you. He set you free. And there used to be such a fire inside your soul. There used to be such a flame of God that burned within you. But somehow through the years, all that's left now are embers. The word of God to you today would be stoke the fire again. Fan the flame. Kindle what once was. Why? Because there's a gifting inside of you. As our brother Brad shared today, glory to God, there is a gifting inside each of you. There are spiritual gifts and they have nothing to do with your natural gifts or your natural abilities. There are spiritual gifts deposited into you by the very spirit of God. And God would say, fan the flame for those gifts. Stoke the fire once again. And then he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let me tell you what I'm learning in this season of blindness. And I believe I can preach authoritative over this because I'm walking these things out. Used to, I felt as though I had to be careful on what to say to someone who battled depression because I'd never faced depression. But do you have any idea how many times depression tries to take hold of me today? I used to shy back a little bit from those who wrestle with anxieties because I didn't have that many anxieties. But do you know how hard anxiety faces me today? How much that depression would love to take hold of my ministry today, take hold of my heart today. And I have to fight these things off. And I have to battle against these things And if you're here today, I want to tell you, we can fight these things off. You know why? Because fear is not of God. Depression is not from the Lord. Anxiety is not from God. And too many of us sit here and we accept these things into our life. And listen, they're not sent from God. And because they're not sent from God, you have the authority in Christ to say, go in Jesus' name. I don't accept it. But too many of us, We ask God to do what God's waiting for us to do. And that's what I'm learning in blindness. I could sit here today and I could say, God, would you please not let depression come on me? And I think God's saying, Chad, grow up spiritually and you don't let it come on you. I've given you every tool. I've given you the word of God. You have the sword of the spirit in your hand. Take action. Did God give the promised land to the children of Israel? Now, come on, help me now. He did, didn't he? He, gave, he said, every place the heel of your foot touches, that's your land. God gave them the victory before they ever crossed the Jordan. God gave them the victory before they ever came to Jericho. God gave them the victory before they ever went across to the, all the ites, you know, Jebusites, Hittites, Canaanites. And he already told Joshua, not one man will stand before you for the rest of your life. The victory was already won. But did they have to go to war? Did they have to face the giants? Did they have to walk around the walls of Jericho? They had to go to war. Friends, some of you, you have to go to war. 
and you're sitting there complacent and you're allowing all this junk into your life, whereas you have the authority in Christ, you have the sword of the, of the word, you have the Holy Spirit within you and you have such an arsenal of weapons, you don't have to stand for depression. You don't have to stand for isolation. You don't have to stand for anxieties. You can say, go in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you something that helps me. Now, we all know Jesus is the head of his church, right? And, and I mean, Jesus leads his church as he led us this morning. But humanly speaking, I'm, I'm speaking in human terms. Who is, who is in authority in this church? Humanly speaking. Some of you are like, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. <laughs> I'll help you. It's me, <laughs> right? I, I am the authority of this church. I say what comes and I say what goes. If, if, if a man gets inside this pulpit and he starts teaching some kind of heinous doctrine, Christ isn't deity or the word of God is fallible or you can be saved apart from the blood of Christ. Whose responsibility is it to jerk him off this platform? Who will give full account before God over this church? Now we have layers of leadership. We have pastoral team, we have deacon team, we have finance team. We got 20-some teams in this church. We got layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of leaders and responsibilities. But ultimately, where does the buck stop? Well, friend, in a similar way, you're the authority of your life. You say what comes and what goes what is allowed and what is not allowed. Do you understand? If depression tries to follow me, if fear tries to grip me, do I just say, well, that's just how I feel. I can't help how I feel. Is that true? I'm not to let my emotions, I'm not to let the circumstances of life, I'm not to let the things that are beyond my control, I am not to allow fear or anything else master me. I am to master it through the authority of Christ. I say what comes and goes. If fear comes upon me, do I say, okay, I guess that's just, that's just how it is. Or do I say, oh, no, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Go in Jesus' name. Why, why can I rebuke that and send it out? Why can I take authority? Because, friends, it doesn't come from God. Come on now. And when some of you realize this, that your isolation doesn't come from God, your anxiety does not come from God. Your depression does not come from God. Then that's when you'll get that God-given backbone and say, no, you go in Jesus' name. You're not going to take hold of me. Before I lost eyesight, 
<clears throat> I knew I was losing eyesight, but I could still drive. And there was one particular day, it was just a normal day. It wasn't anything out of ordinary an inch. And um, I got in my car, I was here at the church, it was lunchtime. I got in my car and I went to Taco Bell, ordered my lunch to the drive-thru, was going to come back and eat my lunch here at the church. When I got around Borden Park up here, something happened. I've never had a panic attack, but something tried to take hold of me that day. My car shrunk. All of a sudden, I couldn't hardly breathe. I felt overwhelmed. I felt fearful. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I mean, it literally took my breath and fear, bam, fear like I've never known it. Out of nowhere, it's like it was an ambush. But do you know what I did? Because I know the word of God. Because I know the authority that I have in Christ. Because I know the authority of God's word. I know that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when that fear tried to get close to me, I took the sword of God's word and stuck it right in its gut and twisted it for good measure, amen? And do you know what I did? With my mouth, I spoke out and I said, no, fear in the name of Jesus, you go. You are, I give you no place, no open door. You go from me in Jesus' name. It made me so mad, and I rebuked it in the name of Christ. And you know what happened? It left as quick as it came. I pulled into the parking lot, got out, ate my Taco Bell to the glory of God, and enjoyed it immensely. Hallelujah. And I had a great rest of the day. Amen? And let me tell you, there are many days that depression tries to take hold of me. And I'm not going to pretend and tell you that there are not some days that it works. It could be that you come to the church one day this week and I'm just not myself. I'm not saying that you pretend to be super spiritual or that some days aren't more overwhelming than other days. But let me tell you what I'm learning. I don't have to stay in that place of weakness. I don't have to stay in that place of despair. I don't have to stay in that place of fear. Why? Because God didn't send it. Amen? What has he given me? Very quickly. What time is it now? We're okay, aren't we? All right. What has God given us? Three things. This is beautiful. Three things. Number one, he's given us power. Do you walk in the power of God? The Greek word for this is quite beautiful. The Greek word is dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite or dynamic. I want the power of God in my life. I want the power of God in our church. And what is the power of God? Is it sensationalism? Is it emotionalism? 
Is it just feeling something? No, no, that's not what the power of God is. What the power of God is, is the ability to walk away from sin. The ability to to pray and your prayers actually be heard on high. The power of God is the ability to pray over others and see chains broken. The power of God is to please God. As Jeff was sharing with me earlier, Enoch so walked with God. Amen? Hebrews 11. He so walked with God that what was his testimony? That he pleased God. Amen? And and, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? But God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want the dudamous power of God. I want when I pray for things to happen as God so wills it. I don't don't want to be mechanical. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be routine in praying. No, no. I want the power of God on me. And the Bible says that I can walk in a power that is of the Holy Spirit. It's not of myself. It's of the Lord. Secondly, love. I love uh, this word for love. You know, in the Greek, Love is so exhaustive. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so incredible that there are actually five Greek words in the Bible for love. But this is not like the love between a husband and wife. This is not, this is not a brotherly love as in the case of Philadelphia. That's where that term, brotherly love, brotherly affection. It's not No, this is what is called agape love. This is literally in the Greek what it would read, agape. What is agape love? (laughs) It's without any condition. It is pure. It is constant. It is stable. It never changes. There are no conditions with this type of love. And what it says is that God has loved us with such an unconditional, with such a constant, with such a stable kind of love that it will never change. God's love for you will never diminish. God's love for you will never lessen. It will be consistent. As he says in the book of Jeremiah, it is an everlasting love. Amen? So not only do we walk in power, dunamis, dynamite, dynamic, Power. Not only do we walk in love, agape, constant, never changing, always consistent, everlasting, never diminishing kind of love. But then look what he says. Sound mind. Some translations say self-control. Some translations say discipline. We walk in the fierce fruit of self-control. Sadie, we were talking about this scripture last night and she made an interesting point. She said, you know, love and self-control is exactly what we're trying to teach our kids, right? I don't know if it's taking or not. Time, time will tell, right? One day I'll tell you what John Mark did this week, but let's just say he has a record with all the others now. <laughs> These kids break everything. But anyways... <clears throat> Exactly what God's trying to teach us, love and self-control. But friends, 
It won't come without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's why you cannot afford to neglect the Holy Spirit. You cannot neglect him. How many churches, and I say this carefully because it breaks my heart. How many churches gathered this morning and everything went like clockwork? Every announcement, every song, every prayer, the sermonette, everything was just like clockwork. And yet the Holy Spirit was never welcomed. He was never invited. Do you neglect the Holy Spirit in your life? Just like this morning, where we carved out time to say, Holy Spirit, you move, you search. Do you do that in your daily life? Where you say, Holy Spirit, search me, change me, help me, empower me, guide me. Are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit? And I think sometimes we make these things too mysterious. We make them too complex. We think, well, that's for, you know, that's for like a Navy SEAL Christian. No, my friends, it's for you and it's for me. This week, there's a young girl in our church that I began praying for. And this week, and again, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, it's not mystical and it's not weird and it's not for super Christians. I was just getting ready for work. Sadie had taken Hudson somewhere and the girls were at school and John Mark was still in his crib and he was asleep and it's just me and Sam, our dog. But I began to feel the Holy Spirit, just like this morning. And I began to pray for this girl. And it wasn't a prayer like normal. It wasn't a prayer like, well, Lord, just, you know, help her, Lord. Will you, you know, will you help? No. There was a spirit of intercession that began to fall. And I began to know how to pray for her. See, this is where the power is. I began to know how to pray for her. I began to pray in the spirit for her. And I began to know, even though my mind was not necessarily knowing each, but my spirit who was praying and worshiping and interceding to God who is a spirit, I began to know through the enablement of the Holy Spirit how to pray. And I began to feel oppression beginning to loosen. Now, is there any evidence of it right now? I don't know. I'm blind. I can't see. I don't know. But in the spirit, I know what took place. In the spirit, I know what happened because the power of God was there. It wasn't business as usual. Are you with me right now? This, I want to walk in that kind of power. And what was so special to me was that it wasn't a service. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't music. And it wasn't, I was at home in my bathroom, hanging out with my dog. And yet the Holy Spirit fell. And he'll fall in your home. 
and he'll fall in your life. You know, someone in church history, and I can't remember who it was, but someone in church history prayed a wonderful prayer. They drew a circle around themselves and said, God, if you're gonna move, move in this circle. What if you did that? Evan Roberts, and I'll finish with this. Evan Roberts of the great Welsh revival of 1904 and 1905. There was a prayer that marked the great Welsh revival. And the prayer was, Lord, bend me. You know where that prayer comes from? It comes from the Psalms, where David said, Lord, incline my heart to you. Do you know what it means to incline your heart? It means to bend toward. And see all the filth that we're around and all the sin that we're around and all the arrogance and all the pride of our society. It would bend our heart away from God. But no, you draw a circle around yourself and you begin to pray, God, bend my heart toward you. That's when fire is going to fall. That's when God's going to bring fresh fire from heaven. That's when you're going to begin to fan the flame. You're going to stoke the fire within you. And some of you here today, many watching online, all that's left are embers. But God's going to turn it into a blazing flame. Amen? You're going to stoke the fire. You're going to fan the flame of the gift of God which is in you. God's going to be glorified through you. I'm telling you, 2020 is a new day. It's not business as usual. It's not church as usual. God is pouring out his spirit. And we're not going to get distracted, are we, church? We're not going to get, we're not going to get distracted by this or that by politics or Washington or, or elections or this or this or this, whatever. We're not going to get distracted from all of that. We're people of prayer. We're going to stoke the fire. We're going to fan the flame. Glory to God. And as we fan the flame, God's going to take those embers and they're going to become mighty flames of God. How many of you want that today? You want to burn in your soul for the glory of God. Why don't we stand, all of us right now, collectively as a church, and we're going to ask God. We're going to ask God. We're going to ask God as we fan the flame. The Bible didn't say for God to fan it. The Bible says for us to fan the flame. And that's what we're going to do right now. Some of us, we're going to lift up our hands. Some of us, we're going to lift up our hearts. I don't care what you, but all of us together, we're going to lift up to the Lord. We're going to say, God, right now, Lord, fan the flame in us, oh God. As we stoke the fires, bring fresh fire from heaven, oh God. Draw a circle around yourself right now. Draw a circle around your marriage. Draw a circle around your children and say, God, move in this circle. Fan the flame, Holy Spirit. We stoke the fires, oh God. We've learned about fasting. We've learned about stirring ourselves to prayer, calling down lightning. Today, God, we have such a desire for fresh fire, oh God. And we stoke the fires, oh God. We stoke the embers. Give us a new, a fresh flame, oh God. 
that will never diminish, will not neglect the fire, will not snuff it out, will not smother it with willful sin, will not smother the flame by walking away and getting distracted with worldly things and, and this or that, will not neglect, neglect it, oh God, but will keep stoking it. And every day, oh God, every day will stoke the fire. Every day will fan the flame. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, ask the Lord right now, ask him how he wants you to fan the flame. Let me just tell you two, two seconds here. This week in prayer, the Lord showed me. I wake up very early in the morning. And when I wake up, you know, I've got these AI devices and, you know, where I can't see. I don't turn the television on. I turn my, I, I talk to my AI devices. And the first thing I do when I wake up is I say, uh, uh, you know, Alexa, what's my news today? Or, okay, Google, tell me today's news. And I listen to my headlines and I catch up on my news. And then I'll do some scripture reading. I'll listen to the Bible. The Holy Spirit told me this week, the Holy Spirit said, change that order. When you wake up, go straight to the word. Forget the news. Listen to that later. Go straight to the word. Now listen, it's just a little thing. It's just a little It's just a little thing. But do you know what I did? By waking up and saying, okay, Google, open you version Bible. Read Joshua chapter one. <laughs> Read Joshua chapter three. Read Joshua chapter five. And every day, instead of listening to the news and listening to God, I listen to my news just later. But just that little thing. Do you know what, I, you know what I've been doing all week? Stoking the fire. Stoking, fanning the flame. Oh, it's just such a little thing. But to me, I can feel that I please the Lord. Just a little thing. What little thing does God want you to change? What little thing? What small thing? But to God, it'd be a big thing because it's obedience. Fan the flame today. Oh God, we love you. And I thank you for being in our midst today. I thank you for walking in our midst. You encouraged us. You rebuked us. You loved us. You challenged us. You helped us. You gave us today everything that we needed. I love you, Lord. Prepare this house for Tuesday night. Prepare us to meet with you Tuesday night as heaven comes and meets with us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for our people. Bless every family. Bless every home. Bless every marriage. Bless every life in our church today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said.